Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help raise your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky it's ruined oh hello welcome to ruined i'm hallie and i'm allison and this is a podcast where you ruin a horror movie just for you just for you guys and allison, uh, happy pride happy month. pride we're doing it we're recording this friday may 26th so for you it's pride we are in the past communicating through yes. the ether i suppose are we in the pa- yeah right yeah we're in the they're currently in the oh, past. Oh, boy. Some might even call it the presses. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, happy Pride Month. Boy, I'll tell you, we, we, it, it, this is the week in case you've... It's a case like horrible has happened the last week, which seems incredibly possible. I mean... We are, we're coming off the um, Target pulling its uh, Pride uh, items. Christ. Boy, I'll tell you, as a queer person, you don't like to see that. Nope. Doesn't seem good at all. No. Um, to cave to the fucking psychotic, fascist, ooh. homophobic, transphobic minority feels really bad and dangerous. Yeah. Um, so we thought uh, the perfect time to introduce to you what Crooked Media, which is in case you are an older listener and you just continue listening after we've joined Crooked, um, there's, they're launching an initiative, this pride that will carry on through the rest of the year. And I guess... Uh, as long as we need to have this. Seems um, like forever. Yeah, but basically we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. Obviously, um, the right has launched a full-on anti-trans onslaught. Uh, you know, in every red state, uh, trans and queer people are under attack. And, um, you know, like Allison said, they are the minority, but they are vocal and they are increasingly erratic. Wow. So, um, you know, we're all trying to figure out what could we do, especially as people in blue states, um, to help people. And because in the reality, there are more of us. And in fact, there's never been more support for gay, trans, and queer people, and especially gay, trans, and queer youth. I'm sorry, we're gonna cry who yeah. have to deal with all of this. And not that things weren't haven't been bad in the past, but is unfortunate, even the past year, how you know, um, volatile the situation has become. So it is up to us who have any sort of power, any sort of platform to make it very clear how much we support queer and trans youth um, across America today and every day. Um, And yeah, and we, and obviously us, Hallie and Allison do so much. And that's why also our friends at Vote Save America, which is the political action arm of our beloved daddies, uh, Crooked Media and podcasts like Pod Save America and Love It or Leave It have created the Fuck Bands Leave Queer Kids Alone Fund. By the end of Pride Month, they're working to fundraise $50,000 to support organizations on the ground in states that are banning care and targeting trans families. Uh, I'm thinking that's got to really include Florida, that horrific state. Um, And they're including organizations like Transgender Law Center, the Trans Justice Funding Project, and the Trans Youth Equality Foundation. So if you would like to contribute or learn more about these organizations or just feel like you have some place to put, like, you know, your ambient terror and what's going on, please head to votesaveamerica.com backslash fuckbands. You can help them donate, help help us hit our goal. And uh, in doing so, I hopefully 
um, you know, show the G uh, GOP, fuck you, we don't agree with this, and we yeah. will push back as hard as we need to. So again, that website is votesaveamerica.com backslash fuckbands. And, you know, we appreciate you. And I, a yeah. queer person, I especially do. I'm sorry, I, I, you know, you knew I wasn't going to get through this without crying. But no, we really do not. appreciate. Go check it out. Um, yes. And we'll talk about it, you know, throughout Pride, obviously, uh, you know, mm -hmm. if you're coming to this late. Um, yes. But, yeah. Um, so, I guess let us get started now oh, that I've sure. already cried. Um, Allison, how are you doing? Do you want to? Fine. How's your I life? I had, like, stress dreams last night where oh, no. um, the things that were stressful were, like, me being difficult. And it was, like, oh, I woke up. Fascinating. So you was your own nightmare. That's truly, really interesting. It was, like, me and two friends, and I, like, we were Ooh. at a thing that we had paid for, and, like, I got mad at somebody irrationally and made us all leave, and we, like, lost the money. Like, it was, like... It was really fun. I was like, I'm having a nightmare, but like, I'm the villain. <laughs> and I woke up so unrested. That's then also, so the part of it had anthrax to do. Th then it was just some standard. Wow. Standard yeah, that's horrors. deep in there. That's what it yeah. sounds like. Some old bosses of mine kind of like folded into it. And I don't know. My dad was there. It was really bad. Oh, boy. I was like, were you naked and your teeth were falling out? <laughs> no, that sounds like better than what was happening. <laughs> Someone was tweeting, they're like, I don't believe that everyone has, like, teeth falling out dreams. They can't be that common. I have had, I've had that dream dozens many of times. times. Many I don't know times. what that is. I think it might be because we're all clenching our teeth, like, during the, those dreams. So your body yeah, is, like, like physical. Teeth. Yeah, like, thinking about it. Yeah. Um, well, how are you? <laughs> I'm I'm okay, other than my, my, you know, my general emotional, you know, um, all over the placeness. I will say, Allison, and this is this could be a horror movie. There's a smell in my apartment, and I I haven't located it, and I'm just going to spend Nothing. the weekend finding it. It's what, what kind of smell? It what genre smells, of smell? I would say a food smell. Mm -hmm. Like it's like when you know I had me. the sandwich. Smell. Exactly. And where was the sandwich? Should we find out? Never found anything, no. and it is gone now, so. Boy, yeah. Well, probably, probably just a ghost eating some pastrami apartment. in the corner of my apartment somewhere. Um, then um, he finished and left. I am, I'm unfortunately a nearly 40-year-old woman where it very well could be that some kind of food fell somewhere, and I yeah. can't find it. That seems of a piece. Absolutely. But, um, oh, God, you know, that's annoying. So I'm just going to spend the long weekend relaxing and finding where the smell in yes. my apartment fucking is coming Combing from. Combing your apartment inch by inch to find what food um, is causing the smell. Yeah. Well, so I'll keep everybody posted. Um, yeah. yeah. Let yeah. us know if you find it. Oh, absolutely. And also, um, this month, we, of course, will be doing a live show, as we always do. It will be held Sunday, June 18th. And we will be doing Ari Aster's latest, Bo is Afraid. Now, I'm not afraid because either this, I'm going to love this movie or based on every single person I know who's seen this movie already, they hated it. And that makes me even more excited to, to do a movie that is so seemingly so universally reviled. I'm thrilled. So if you could please join us Sunday, June 18th, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Moment.co slash ruined is where you can buy your tickets and also where you'll go to watch the show. Obviously, Patreon members at the $20 tier, you already have tickets that will be in your inbox that morning. And uh, it'll be another great live show. If you've been to other ones, you know that we have a, we have a blast and a half. Um, we get a little blasted and uh, well, the chat's fun. There's merch. Like, just, just come. <laughs> Let's kick things off on yes. this Pride Month. And I wasn't, you know, we were, I, I wanted to approach 
um, Pride Month from a couple different um, perspectives. Last year, we did um, High Tension, mm-hmm. and we got, I thought, a very fair email. Yes. But it was about sort of, like, doing um, horror movies in which queer people get and trans people get murdered. Is that a celebration? Now, right. obviously, I am biased because this is my favorite genre. So right. I'm like, well— it, 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 but I understand, especially this yes. year, it's like the um, the ha- having that depiction. It, I completely understand people having a problem with it. Totally. That being said, I also thought I would like to do a movie up top where there is a lot of uh, queer fucking. I yeah. need, I wanted there to be sex because there, are, of course, obviously so many different queer horror movies, but a lot of the queerness is sort of like ambient. Um, yeah, 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 like imbued in vampirism or like yes. sort of like implied. And I wanted to be like, there is at least. They're just people fucking on screen. You know yeah, what I mean? Great. How And whether or not that's explicit. So the movie I picked is from 2018. It's a French film called Knife. I guess Knife Plus Heart. It could be mm. Knife and Heart, but it's stylized with a little, um, you know, like cross sign. Yeah. And um, it, it is uh, directed by Yans uh, Gonzalez, and it stars Vanessa Paradis, who I've never seen anything, and I thought I she was great in this. I ever seen her in something. That was, like, kind of exciting to be like, oh, I only know you from, like, red carpets. Um, and the uh, it's based on, it's, it's, it follows a, uh, a lesbian porn, uh, gay porn director in the late 70s in France. And it is loosely based on an actual person, Anne-Marie Tensi, who is a female producer specializing in gay pornography who worked in France in the 70s and 80s. So this is, I, I was like, okay, loosely based on a real uh, producer for gay porn. Super fun. Now, this is in the Giallo style. And if you're familiar with Giallo's, which we need to do Giallo G- uh, January, Giallo yeah. January, but we haven't done it yet. <laughs> but, um, okay, we have to do that. But Allison, just to like catch you up, it is um, it is an Italian uh, sort of a subgenre of horror that is more of a murder mystery, but it's also uh, very gory, and it is playing with a lot of themes of sex and gender, typically, and it's sort of like playing with what was in the culture, sort of like panic about those issues and about masculinity, mm-hmm. and it, here we are back at it, I suppose. Well- and um, so uh, what, what better time to revisit those things? So this is sort of an homage or a reference to whether it's the most successful of that, who's to say? But um, I thought, let's start it out here. And boy, there is a lot of mostly um, goofy, darkly comedic mm-hmm. gay sex in this, sure. which again is an interesting way to approach things. But I don't know. I, I kind of I kind of vibed with it. Yeah. Um, so before we begin, we always like to have Allison watch the trailer. Allison, what did you think of the trailer for Knife and Heart? Yeah, let's say Knife and Heart okay, for great. this, because that's how I read it. Um, yes, and Knife good. plus Heart feels like a rebus. Um, I this remind like the style and kind of like the like light camp to it, and like reminded me of um, like a Pedro Almodovar film. Like yes, the, okay, the, I can the see bright that. colors, kind of the like. I, there was something about it that was just like giving, and like I'm a, I studied him in college. I'm a huge fan of his work, um, so I was like, oh, I like this. I don't know if I could watch this because I do feel it gets quite uh, terrifying. Um, but I loved the vibe, and yes. also it was scary. So I don't know how to reconcile those two things in my brain. Um, <laughs> what was the most? What was the image or moment in the trailer that sort of jumped out to you? It's like, okay, this is now we're seeing something a little scary. Um. I don't remember something that, like, stuck out. Was there something in the trailer that would have, like, registered? 
No, no, no. Oh. I just wanted to get your opinion. Oh. Color for the listener. I that was feel all. like, well, I don't feel like, you know, it's like, I know they're talking about like a murder, like somebody's been, like the, also the birds being part of it. I, Allison, I, that's what, I mean, that's I what for, I was thinking. Allison, I there forgot are so for a many. Because I was just like hung damn. up on the colors. But the birds and like the finding the feathers. It reminded me of, um, and obviously when we get through the plot, maybe it is or is not um, similar, but like when people talk about um, the true crime case, The Staircase, and they're yes, like, the owl absolutely. did it. And it's like, Ooh. that's not what happened. I <laughs> but love boy, that. I believe it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, people really push that. And it's like, well, guys, what's the likelihood of that? Also, yeah. then you find out that the editor of the movie, uh, editor of, sorry, the, the docuseries, mm-hmm. Ended up dating the accused for oh. years, like while they were making it, and I was like, "That seems Ooh. unethical." And then I want to say somebody—I don't want to say—I don't want to cast aspersions on another, but I believe it was another prominent docuseries where you find out that somebody involved in production also dated somebody yeah. in the case. I'm like, "What is happening?" I feel like, like I remember hearing that about something. I don't remember it being this, but maybe it was this. But anyway, um, the bird isn't didn't that bizarre. Do it. Yeah, the bird didn't do it. <laughs> you could—it's like, it. oh, it, it's convenient that it's edited, making me think a bird fucking did it. Means right. the, the person editing is fucking is the person, fucking who's, accused the person who's accused of murder. Yeah. Anyways, no. that guy's out of prison. Maybe. He didn't do it. We don't know. We, we don't know. That, we, we're not a true crime podcast. Okay, no. we can't weigh nope. in on this. Nope, we just do fake crime. We do fake crimes, and boy, there are a lot of them in this. There are so many. Uh, yeah, the bird stuff, I uh, I was unnerved, Oof. especially when you first catch, like, the bird that, like, is in the window, and it's like... <laughs> oh, yeah, and there's these birds are getting up to all sorts of mischief. They're actually a pretty pivotal part of the <laughs> plot, unfortunately for you. Oh, that sucks. Um, and then uh, we also take a, we always like to take a baseline scary uh, to see where Allison is at with sort of like the entry level um, frights. Mm-hmm. Allison, how scared do you find the concept of queer trauma? The trauma part very scary, um, and especially you know living in America right now. Um, not being a queer person myself, but certainly having all of the sympathy for everybody. Like just to oof. Scary. Yeah. Any kind of othering that creates trauma, what which is most, um, is like so like it's like an extra darkness than just kind of like the trauma of like person to person violence or something like that. Yeah, and I feel like especially like um and again it's it's so um I would say it's so particular to the family, but it it's also like this is the success of queer the queer movement is that like more families mm-hmm. are more accepting but this of course is set in Paris in 1979 so that of course will be an yeah, element where it's just like yeah. and, and again like they're trying that's what they're trying to do with trans kids now is like dr- like uh, like break up families you know like drum yeah. up this they're like legitimately actually breaking up families and causing them to move. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it, yeah. So that's, that's sort of where we're getting, we're getting into, okay. that's not, okay. there's a lot of other stuff going on in the movie. So we will unpack it I as we it. get there. And what would you like to, would you like to guess the twist in the movie Knife and Heart, Allison? Guess the twist. I'm going to guess that the murderer, who I don't think is the producer, um, but maybe somebody that she's close to has trained the birds. Ooh, okay. To kill people, so it looks like birds killed them. Okay, I love this. But in reality, he directed them to like a. He's like the birds are like um, 
hitmen. I like that. I think that's perfect. Birds as assassins. Let's get into it. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we sort of, we see a film reel and a projector and we immediately see two um, young men clearly having sex in what is clearly a porno. So, you know, it's sort of okay. lit. It's like golden sunlight, natural. You know, again, it's the late 70s. So, Gorgeous. you know, they're, they're fucking in a clearing. And then there's a third guy watching and jerking off. Classic gay porn. Um, we then see this, one of the stars, he's a young blonde man, his name is Carl. One of the stars of the porno is at like an S&M gay club in Paris. He's dancing with mm-hmm. some guys. And this is like, you know, balls to the wall, fucking check your clothes to the door level shit, right? So, so when he looks over at a guy in a full leather mask, rubbing his dick through his pants, he's not immediately... Like, if that was at, like, McDonald's, yes. you'd be like, oh, okay, something's going on. Right. It's about context when exactly. it comes to rubbing your dick in a leather mask. Absolutely. And so if you're already at the club, it is, unfortunately, like, harder to catch the 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 subtle clues that this guy might be up to no good. And the band's playing, and everyone's, everyone has different masks on. So there's a band playing. There's, like, a shirtless guy who has, like, an eagle head. And there's sort of, like, a green pig man. And everyone's in oh. leather. And there's a guy just getting a blowjob in the middle of the dance floor and just, like, straight fucking. So, again, this is the kind of place, if you want to put on a leather mask and rub your dick, this is the place to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anywhere here. So poor Carl, unfortunately, sees this. is like, I, I need to find out more about this guy. And the mask guy sort of yeah. signals him to follow him out into the alley. Which is funny to me because there's a guy getting his knob slobbed literally two feet from you. You don't have to go to the alley. But right. they wanted a little bit Nothing of privacy, I suppose. going to happen in the alley when you're already in the middle of what seems to be the throes of a great sex party. I know, party. it seems like an orange is about to break out here. We're like, no, no, no. You know, it's there's too much distractions, too much going on. So Carl follows uh, the masked man out into the alley. Allison, he's immediately set upon by a black bird. A black bird immediately flies at Carl. I would have okay. screamed and immediately run out of the S&M club. But he's like, it's okay. There's just a bird. And then he and the masked man, you know, mm-hmm. sort of start to engage. And we cut back and forth between the porno, which we've seen before, which is very brightly lit, natural, sort of like two men in the woods frolicking back to this sort of yes. back alley stink fest, right? Okay. So, but there is like the brightness and sort but of the- the bird is there. There's a bird, and there's a bird ostensibly watching this, right? So mm-hmm. imagine that. I don't know how you feel about that. I can't. Um, I can't. That bad. I bad. I feel bad. And while we're watching this, Allison, we see a woman's hands with bright red nails cutting film, ostensibly cu- uh, editing the porno film that is we're cutting to. But we're seeing yes. the person putting it together. The masked man and Carl make it to a second location, and we see the masked man has tied Carl face down onto the bed. And then the masked man sort of tears off Carl's tidy whities which absolutely would not work. You cannot do—I do not believe no, you can just rip them off. No, 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 no. They're not like tearaway pants. Like, they're right. they're sturdy, unless they're very old. But then you would know. They look brand new. I was, I was thinking, yeah. like, you'd be hauling Carl off the fucking bed. Like, it yeah. would not come yeah. off. But eventually, he does rip off these onions and jam them in Carl's mouth. So, as far as Carl knows, things are going great. You know what I mean? I'm like, all right, yeah. things are really panning out for me. Um, and unfortunately, the masked man reaches into his pants and pulls out a huge black black dildo. And again, not again. Carl's like, all right, seems good. Yeah, this is all what we kind of came here for. But I, I, I didn't, I didn't. Unfortunately, about the dildo, a big thumbs up for the dildo. Unfortunately, just as they're about to get absolutely rotten, Allison. And you're going to be completely shocked by this, I'm sure. The masked man clicks the dildo, 
like the world's least effective pen, and a switchblade knife shoots out the end. Oh, you hate to see it, Allison. Because that's also in the movie Seven. I hated it then, hate it now. Yeah. Carl tries to scream, but you know, it's impo- we, as we all know, it's impossible to scream when you have tidy whities jammed in your mouth. And unfortunately, Obviously. and it's shot in a, a way that I appreciated the discretion, the cutaway of it. We see the masked man bring the knife down and start stabbing Carl over and over again. And his screams start blending with the cawing of birds, Allison. And the and we see that the man with the mask—it's a leather, like a, a brown leather mask with eyes, and his mouth is cut open, but you can't see his lips. You just see his teeth, and it looks like as he's screaming, oh, he's cawing. Allison, he's making the sounds of birds as he screams. See, we should not be aligning with our avian enemies. Like they are not our friends. Yeah, this guy's definitely on their side. He's yeah, too I don't far like gone. I don't. I'm like sorry. That. Yeah. He's on the side of the birds. That's the wrong side. And as if you weren't clear, like, what side he was on, when he's he done murdering poor Carl, we see on the windowsill right behind the masked man is another black bird just fucking mm. watching it go down like the fucking pervert birds are. Allison, imagine you got murdered and a bird saw it. I'm imagining that if I get murdered, a bird will see it. <laughs> the ultimate indignity, Allison. I can't even imagine. And, yes, truly embarrassing. We cut to a very distraught blonde. This is Vanessa Paradis. She's in a, it's a shiny, like, forest green, like, vinyl trench coat or shiny leather. She looks incredible. Like, platinum bob, uh, blonde bob. Running through a darkened underpass, and it says on the screen, Paris 1979. And that, as far as I know, is the only way to get around Paris, is just frantically crying and running in a fabulous trench coat. In a coat, Yes. She runs into a telephone booth and she calls the woman whose hands we saw cutting the red nails. It turns out it is, her name is Lois. And we see Lois, I'm sorry, Louise. Her name is Louise. They spell it Lois. And I have to remind myself, it is Louise. Louise answers the phone and the blonde woman says, Louise, are you there? And you could tell from the way Louise sighs that they are exes. Like it is like perfect. She's like, oh my God, are you calling me at work again? (sighs) This bitch, yeah. And Louise tells the blonde, whose name is Anne, she says, it's five in the morning. I am still at work trying to finish another porno. Please, you can't keep doing this. And Anne's yeah. sobbing. She's also clearly tanked. She's like, I woke up alone. Please, I need you. Also, she was clearly out of the bars. Like, she wasn't asleep. Right. And Louise says, uh, you're totally loaded. I can't keep doing this with you. And, you know, please. And she's uh, Anne's begging Louise, like, caress me with your voice. Hold my hand. Come get me. And Louise says, Anne, we have to stop. We agreed we would only ever see each other at work. Allison, they both work in the gay porn industry. It's got to be a small world in Paris in the 70s. And you're both lesbians. Like, I mean, if you're the only two lesbians, of course you're going to end up together at some point. And, you know, Louise is like, we fought and we broke up in anger you told me no more booze, but it's just, we're just going, it's just, we have to get out of the cycle. I'm sorry, you know? And, but Anne's like, no, it'll be different this time. Why do you come pick me up and we could go drinking all night like we used to? And Louise is like, did you just hear what I said to you? We can't do this. Also, it's sort of like the idea of like, they've been together 10 years. They were together 10 years and have broken up. Yeah. So like, this is obviously like really painful for both of them. But like, Louise is trying to maybe move on and have more of an adult life because they're like, clearly in their 40s. And Anne is just stuck. Anne is just there. You know what I mean? She's just, she's an alcoholic, you know? Right. And right. Louise tells her, you need to go home and sober up. 
And um, Anne freaks out. She's like, what if I was dying? Like, you, you wouldn't care if I was dying. Let me go over and smell your skin one last time. And Louise is like, like yeah, you're not again. making a case for yourself it's, as yeah. like a reasonable visitor at this hour. Like, exactly. Call no. me at 9 p.m. not drunk and maybe we could talk about it. Yeah. You, this is the problem, right? And Louise says, it's like devastating. And she says, it's over. My heart has gone dry. Oh, the knife for the heart indeed. And Louise hangs up and Anne slumps to the bottom of the phone booth, which you always want to do after a breakup call. It's just being a phone booth slumping. Anytime I have a call that doesn't end in good news, I would like (laughs) to just kind of like slowly slump over in a phone booth or kind of like, you know, slide down a door frame. Exactly. So people know how you're feeling. Exactly. Telegraph that to the world. The next day we're on set and it's a very, again, it's 1979. So it is three guys in like colored briefs, um, just making out sort of, you know, just having a good time. And we see Archibald, who's sort who's uh, Anne's best friend. And uh, he's directing them. And he's like, good job, Terry. Far out yellow briefs. Just encouraging them. Love it. Anne rolls up, she's stinking drunk, and she storms up the stairs to the editing bay. And we see Archibald, he calls the scene and says, when we come back, we're going to take a break, and I want you all stiffer than President Gessard, and I don't know anything about the president, but I'm assuming you were stiff. Yeah. So these guys get at it. Meanwhile, Allison, we see Anne go up to the editing bay, instead of going to talk to Louise, she goes and she stares through a hole in the wall. At Louise. It's like, again, this is why Louise doesn't no. want to be with you, girl. Yeah, you're not making a good case for yourself for a reunion of any kind. Also, you see it from the other side. You absolutely could see a human eyeball. Like, Yes, of course. Because <laughs> when you put your head there, the light goes away. She knows that you're yeah. doing this, dude. But a man stops by. I, I, I do not know. This was, like, hard to identify what the character names were because— a lot of the IMDb um, people don't have photos. So I'm just going to say this person is the Ugh. assistant director. So the AD. Yeah, that's fine. He stops by with the dailies. So that's how much porn they're fucking cranking out. We got the they dailies. dailies? Wow. And Louise is there till five in the morning. So, I mean, I guess to be fair, this is probably like the time where you actually could be making money in porn. Like yeah. in this way. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. they're like, we got to get this smut out there. And Louise says, ugh, every day it's the same old shit. You know, and this is going to get in Anne's head. Like, what could I do to sort of reinvent the wheel to impress my ex-girlfriend who has made it very clear she doesn't want to be with me? <laughs> Meanwhile, we see Archibald directing the three men. They're sort of getting ready to go to Poundtown. And finally, Anne, even though she's hungover and has her own stuff, she steps up as director. But her method of directing is just screaming at these men, which I've never been in a porn or been to a porn set. But I just got to imagine that's the least, last thing you need if you're trying to have sex. Yeah. It's not being like, come on, loosen up out there. Kills you know? the mo- yeah, nothing kills the mood, like getting yelled at. Yeah. <laughs> and she yells at- In that way. I'm going to say, I, I know I'm pronouncing this wrong, but the person's name is T-H-I-E-R-R-Y. I'm going to say Terry. It might be Terry. Terry. Terry? I think yeah, it's Terry? It, yeah, it's a whole, it's like, it's- I'm going to say Teary then, and and hope it's close enough. And if your name is Teary, I I really am trying. And she screams at one of the three guys, because we can't get hard. She screams, lay off the heroin. You're barely hard. It's like, my God, woman. Like, give them like five minutes here. And one of the other guys says, it's not the dope, it's his paycheck. 
And it's like, okay, so this is the kind of porno we're headed towards now where it's, it, we're shooting a porno and the actors are having sex while having labor arguments with management. That yes. seems like where we're headed at That's this point. That's a deeply French thing, I feel. Absolutely. Like, to be like very caught up in like fair wages and socialism, which is like what that right, country is all about in a great way. We're going to pick at this fucking porn set, bitch. Like yeah. you cannot scream. And she's like, if you're not happy, you can leave. I've got boys lined up around the fucking block to replace you. And she storms off to have a cigarette. And this all feels very fresh to me. And Archibald yes, calls deeply. their fluffer. And the fluffer it does not have a human name. They call him the Mouth of Gold. And because he can get anybody hard. So, I mean, good for him. Good for him. Uh, and he's living the dream, it seems like. He's having a great time. And so he comes out and he's sort of like an older, fatter man who has, has honed his skill. And he gets to work on Teary uh, so they could get to shooting. And meanwhile, she's smoking. She's smoking and she's like, we wasted so much time. It's like, well, you screamed at them so much, it's going to take even more time. Right. And then she looks up and uh, Louise is on the upper balcony also smoking. And they're like smoking and looking at each other. Now, hot, but, yeah, you know. And I said, again, the only lesbians working in gay porn in the, at the time, of course, this is what's going to be happening. You know of what I mean? Of course. Archibald, after the shoot, drives uh, and at his house. Again, she's clearly like, so fucked up for the breakup. She's like barely hanging on. She dozes off in his car and we then see the first of, she keeps having different dreams, Allison. Mm -hmm. So we see a forest and it's overexposed. So when you see a bird, it's not the jet black birds we've been seeing. It's a white bird, which is even scarier. I agree that that is scarier. You hate to see it. Not as much as you hate to see a dildo knife, but I... No, dildo knife is worse than bird, but only marginally. Yeah, dildo knife number one, bird number two. We see a bird land on a hand in the dream and then a knife swinging down and a burning barn and a, and a young man with curly hair who we realize must be the masked killer or we're supposed to think it's a masked killer because the mask, it was covers his face, but then he, he has this like incredible mop of hair, which I think if you're a killer with great hair, you should do. It's not like a ski yeah. mask. It's like cut off so I mean, you can see his hair. You want to show off your assets, but it will make you much more identifiable in the world. Yes, exactly. Also, so, you know, yeah. Take your pick of, you know, priorities here. And she wakes I would go up. hair. She wakes up and she pulls she tells Archibald pull over quick. Next thing you know, she is walking through a quarry and she finds a young man who looks like the man in her dreams. His name is Nans and we see he has a beautiful mop of curly brown hair. And she and he is, and he's a gorgeous young man. Yeah. And she's like, I will give you two thousand dollars for five days of work, because that's how much he said he made per month. She said it's five hundred dollars a scene, and you know he's like, well, what's the catch? And she's like, well, it is boys on boys. And he's like, I'm no fairy, thank you very much. And she's like, hey, what's the worst that could happen? You have a little pleasure, and also that no one's gonna find out because the only people who watch these videos are other gay people. Right. Who's gonna see it? So she writes her number. She gives him, like, I don't know, some bill. Let's say a $100 bill. Writes her number on it and tucks it in his pants. And she's like, you give me a call. She heads back to the car and she tells Archibald, I I just found a gem. He's a fawn amongst wolves. And he looks exactly like, and I'm going to try to pronounce this name, F-O-U-A-D. Foad? F-O-U-A-D? Yes. I don't know. Um, <laughs> food? F- f- food. Foad? Foad? Foud? I would say Foud. Foud. Foud, who is their former leading man. And Archibald's like, oh, Foud, he was incredible, but I think he joined the Foreign Legion, so we don't have access to him anymore. She's like, sure. Well, this guy, he's going to take Foud's place. And now the thing is, you know, like, these regular porn actors 
they can't even get hard while I scream and berate them. Like, right. we got to find common people like this who've got character. Like, it'll make our films more realistic and real to life if it's based in real life. So that's sort of yes. her new angle. And she even said, oh, it's going to blow uh, Louise away. And Archibald gives her a sign of, like, girl, honey, that's not going to get over. her back. Worth a shot, though. So they go back to Archibald's house. Anne passes out immediately on the couch, and uh, Archibald reads a magazine. He gets a phone call. It is Inspector Morcini, and he's trying to reach one Miss Anne Perez. And apparently, it's about Jean Marine, Jean, sorry, Jean Marie Devernay. <laughs> Jean Marine needs to be a person. Jean no. Marie, right? A Jean Marie versus a Jean Marie. That's a buddy comedy. I need it. Starring um, Annie Potts and, um, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. So, <laughs> and Archibald says, Jean-Marie Duvernay, you mean Carl? And I love that Carl's porno name is Carl, because it's just, like, you don't yeah, want to be Jean-Marie, right. but I, I, you right. know, I get him a porn name. I am not in France. I don't know what the, you know, context was there. So Anne heads down to the police station because she worked with him, and she's like, yes, uh, Carl was one of my favorite leading men. He had just done his seventh or eighth film and it kind of seems like he was maybe done. And Martini says, well, what kind of films are they? She's like, you know what kind? You wouldn't be asking me if you didn't fucking know. And she said, unless it just arouses you to hear it from a woman's lips. And the other younger cop goes, oh. Hmm? And he says, well, I, I regret to tell you that Carl was stabbed multiple times in the rectum. <sighs> Allison damn near killed him. It actually did kill him. I mean... The, in the police station, Anne opens her purse and just opens up. What is the smallest volume of liquor? Is that a pint? Where you a could fifth? like hold it in your hand? A fifth. Opens yeah. up a fifth and just starts drinking from it, which again seems I very mean, French. Very French. And she says, what was, and Morty said, well, just tell me about Carl. What was he like? And she's like, well, I only know him in the context of him being a fucking insanely good porn star. And it's like, he was insatiable. Last month we shot an orgy. It was five men on Carl. And Carl had this ability, which most people didn't have, which is like to give himself entirely, to actually be free on film and like in this intense sexual situation. And her, her, her like deep admiration is like, that is a form of love. Like he gave himself to the film. And the police are like, Okay, well, it's probably not going to help us find him, but thank you for telling us. <laughs> we meant more like how tall he was, but okay, yeah. sure. You know, like Lots where did he hang texture, out? But uh, not the most helpful. <laughs> yeah, like what gay SM clubs do you hang out at? Um, yeah. I think I've told this story before, but I, I always feel so bad that one time I saw like a missing cat poster and it had the cat's likes on it. And it was like, like, yeah. speaking of the sun and playing with yard. And I was like, oh my God, okay, I'm going to find your cat. I'm going to yell and be like, hey, do you like Go the to a sun? yarn store? And then I turned around, and literally there's a person holding more of the flyers and a roll of tape, and they had just put it up, and I was just making fun of it in front of them. And I was like, oh, no, but I'll still look. But I just felt terrible. But also, oh, I was right. You know what I mean? I was like, well, I can't. Yeah. You, you need a last scene. You need a scared of people Photo. or comfortable. Like, you need actual information, not just, like, uh, interests. But I imagine that person was frantic, so maybe they're like, I'll just put everything down and people can right. sort yeah. it out. So. He likes the sun. If you see him outside, it's him. Yeah, and uh, don't chase it down. So, uh, Allison, we cut to the porn set. And what Anne is staging is, she is now making a porno out of her own police interrogation. So Archibald okay. is in sort of a light drag. He has her forest green, incredible trench on. He's mm -hmm. playing her in drag. Okay. And then we have the two other um, uh, porn stars, the two other gentlemen. One of them is Valentine, 
And the other one is, oh God, what is his name? Jose El Hombre. And they're playing the cops. And of course, in reality, the cops are very professional. Uh, these cops are significantly less professional, Allison. Yes, I would imagine. And um, of course, you know, they're sort of saying like, oh, you came down here. We know what kind of filthy movies you make. And she's like, excuse me, I'm not some sort of slut. I'm a murder witness. And one of the cops starts to, uh, like, runs his foot up uh, Porto Ann's leg. And he's wearing, like, an old gym sock with a hole where his toe is sticking out, which I thought was such a funny, like, that's the— If you look down and someone's foot is coming up your leg, Ugh. that's the last thing you want to fucking see. No, that's the worst foot. The worst foot in the world. But then starts giving, again, Archibald as and starts giving him a foot job. And sort of being like, tell us what you know. And he, and tell us, like, what was your relationship with Carl? We know that you were fucking him. And then Porno Ann's like, it's true. He would he was begging me mid, like midday. He was begging me every fortnight. He was making me explode. And then so, uh, so there's a foot job under the table. And okay. then um, I guess because they didn't want this to be, they should have just fucking shot this as if it was a porno. Because- right. In order to sort of shoot around the fact that, like, everyone is fully clothed, some little silly things have to happen. For example, Valentin, yeah. the other cop, just stands up and clearly is rock hard and just starts um, fucking, like, a typewriter through his jeans. Like, just humping a typewriter. Okay. And I was like, Anne is reinventing the form, I suppose. Like, that is well, for somebody. Creativity. But yes, exactly. Somebody's going to be, like, interested in watching that and turned on, but... It like is how a, many people? a left turn. <laughs> right. Because you have to have somebody not only is into somebody having sex with their jeans fully on, but also having sex with a typewriter. With a typewriter. And I just got to feel like you're not, that's a very niche audience, but I imagine they're very grateful for the material if of they course. exist. Yes. Anne is thrilled by this scene. She yells, cut, and she applauds wildly. And whenever she's like, when we get back for break, we'll shoot the porno shots, which I'm assuming means we're going to shoot where you actually have sex with each other for my new film. And the new film is called Adel Fury, which is so vague. But I suppose if there's no other porno yet with the name Adel Fury, you got to take it. I think also like just like at that point, like when you think of how much porn is produced now versus before digitized film, before the internet, it's like, I think anal is enough to set it apart from the... 30 other films that got made that year as opposed to now where it's like, I, you, th- there are literally millions of videos that you can access at any time. Right, with any possible name. Again, there probably yeah. is a lot more people having sex with typewriters with their jeans on than right. we even can fathom, right? Absolutely. So she traipses off. She's thrilled with what she's doing and Archibald sees the uh, Mouth of Gold sobbing in the corner of the set. He goes over to comfort him. And he's like, what's wrong, Mouth of Gold? And Mouth of Gold says... How, why, how, why is she doing this? Carl, this is Carl's murder. Like, why would you? Why would she turn this into a yeah. porno? Like, I mean, we knew Carl. Very valid concern. Yeah, and that's sort of going to be a theme in the movie is like, Anne is sort of like just so committed to her art that she just doesn't see the problem with this. And, you know, Mouth of Gold saying like, I knew Carl. He told me all the sort of details of his life. And Archibald says, well, do you think you might know who could have done this? And... Mouth of Gold said, no, I don't think so, because if I did, I would tell the police. I have no concept of who could have done this. Right. And he starts crying. He's like, I'll be honest, like, I loved him, you know? And Mm -hmm. and he was beautiful. And then they go, hey, Mouth of Gold on set. 
this knob isn't going to slob itself. And he's like, excuse me. And then he goes and, and sucks Duty dick, calls. Which I think is at least a nice distraction. You know what I mean? Yeah. In, in this, yeah. in this try, in these trying times, at least to be able to suck one to three dicks. It seems, it seems yeah. like a nice treat, you know? Yeah. Teary, um, uh, <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. Teary was the one who played the typewriter fucking cop. I will say there are um, a lot of, white French gentlemen in this movie who look very similar. So please yeah, bear with me. I, yes. So it was actually Thierry who played the typewriter fucking cop. And he demands his paycheck from Anne. She says, well, I don't have the money today. Tomorrow I'll pay you. It's like, you cannot, you, you can't yell at them and also not pay them. This is France, people. They will riot. Yeah, they will riot. He will burn this shit down. And he's like, you need me and you need my hard cock to finish this fucking day. And she says, you'll never work for me again. But then she does pay him because she does need his hard cock to, for yeah. the shoot. She's like, ah, yeah. I can't argue with that. We're at know? work. And the AD walks back in. He's like, the dailies are ready. And she snatches it from him and runs and takes it up to Louise herself to sort of be like, look, I'm doing something different, Louise. Maybe now you'll love me. It's like, girl, that's go to AA. They had that back then, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Something. Uh, and the uh, the mouth of God, uh, Jose is getting um, you know a, a blowjob from mouth of God, and he says to mouth of God, like, by the way, how much do you get paid for this? And mouth of God says, oh, I don't need to be paid. I live with my mom. I was like, live in the dream, mouth of God. Wow. Like you really figure this out. Also, Just what does your mom think rent? you do every day? Yeah, where yeah. you tell her you're up, you're off to. What do you think you go and do? Um, and upstairs we see Anne. She's about to go in the edit bay, and then she stops, and we just hear her go, Louise. Like, even the even she's like, I, I can't face Louise with my new porno. Oh, I love her so much. Unfortunately, Allison, that night we follow Terry, and he does go buy heroin, and he sort of nods off in, in an abandoned convertible. Very French. And I did say, this is what I think Paris is. We're just, there's yes, an abandoned, 100%. beautiful convertible. Yeah, you can just hop in. And we see Louise, she's going out tonight. She's going to a uh, lesbian bar, and mm-hmm. Anne follows her. So Anne is maybe stalking Louise a little bit at this point. Yeah. Well, that's not a surprise. And inside this uh, dance, like, where, where they go to, there's, like, this incredible queer dance off where, like, everyone's dancing in their own little group where, like, everyone— It's, like, three people who have matching outfits and are dancing in their own way, which I do think very is fun. into that. And it's very Studio 54 on a very tight budget— and Anne goes to a me- the mezzanine and she watches this beautiful black woman in like silver shorts, very like 70s, dancing alone. And all of a sudden a throng of people surround her and start dancing with her. And I just took it to be like, Anne is like so stuck in her own world. She can't even enjoy like what should be a space of like, all right, well, I have to move on. You know, but it's like, no, I'm here to like follow my ex-girlfriend and yes. I all this queer happiness or like beauty, I can't internalize any of it. Allison, back in the convertible, Terry wakes up to find a black bird perched on the seat behind him. Allison, at that point, if you were him, what would you do? What would you do? I'm killing the bird. Even though I don't know what else the bird, you know, has already witnessed. What do you think the bird is going to, is maybe harbinging? Harbinging? Harbinger. Har- harbingering. Harbinging. Harb- if you if you were to guess what that bird shows up, what do you think is going to happen, Terry? He's going to die. He's going to die. He's going to die. That guy's going to show up in the mask. Yeah, he is. And, and stab him with the dildo knife, I would assume. Or some other clever, sexy weapon. 
I, you know what, uh, Allison, you're dead on. And that's the thing about this movie is like, there are not a lot of moments for people to decide what to do because this motherfucker is everywhere. And that is yeah. kind of a hallmark of the Giallo is the, um, like the logic of it and like what happens is sort of arbitrary. It really is yeah. about these like beautifully staged, garish, gory, sexy murders. Yeah. Which is less satisfying perhaps to the modern audience, but again, is all about like the staging and everything. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Never! Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad. Rubber-coated hardware for a better fit and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. So back in the club, Anne sees uh, like a very sexy, dressed up Louise dancing in the crowd and grinding with the women in silver. And we started to have this moment where, like, is this really happening? Or is like Anne's obsession like yeah, calling this mind like over. Louise yeah, is yeah. out here talking to other, like, like having sex with other women. Like, I, you know, it's sort of driving her insane. Unfortunately, Terry looks up to find the masked man standing over him, and the masked man shoves his dildo in Terry's mouth. And when he does, Allison, we look up. <sighs> And we see the mask man grinding his teeth and then um, sort of making a high-pitched screaming noise, which does call to to mind birds. But it also, do you remember in Home Alone 2 when Uh Marv touches the electrical, like he gets electrocuted and he screams and he turns to a skeleton? It's kind of like, oh, there's a lot of that. So just imagine that. Combined with birds screaming. So as you can imagine, it's just about, if you were nodding it's off in a, a convertible. chaos. <laughs> just about the worst shit you could wake up to is what I'm yeah. saying. Not just a guy, not just a guy with a dildo in your mouth. A man in a leather mask screaming like a bird. And unfortunately, you know this where this is going, Allison. He he flicks the end of the dildo and the, the knife dildo stabs the back of Tyria's head. <sighs> back at the edit bay. Tough. We see Anne drive home, drive back to the porn set, and then go into the edit bay and take some of the film, which is, again, like, this is Louise's life's work, and she starts scratching at some of the scenes. She's carving things into the scenes, ostensibly to fuck with Louise or, like, to get back at her, you know. In the morning, we see Terry's butchered body is still in the car. That's tough. Um, Back on set, we see Archibald is again playing porno Anne, and she's the phone booth. Again, looking fabulous in the trench. But this time she's calling the detective who's played by Nans, the guy from The Quarry. So he's like, listen, I'm not going to okay. not take $2,000 to get my dick sucked when I'm insane. Yeah. Um, so he's now playing the detective. And um, since Thierry has gone up to the big gangbang in the sky, they do need another hard cock. And, you know, and Porno Ann calls the detective. It's like, oh, what do you, how are you going to f- find the murderer? And the detective says, I'm going to meet my informer who knows the identity of the killer at the sauna at midnight. 
And Porto Ann says, how steamy, which is very Samantha from Sex and the City. Yeah, that is giving, uh, yeah, I can hear a Kim Cattrall line read of Ugh. that. Kim Cattrall in like a bee giallo heaven. Yeah. I, I mean, for all of the many issues with Sex and the City and all of the kind of like eye roll about like how she, yeah, her acting made that all work. It's not supposed to be realistic. Like she's yes. playing, like she's playing a heightened, like, Super sexual, yeah, like, fr- like a Marilyn she- Monroe, practically. Like she's playing. Yeah. yeah, no, obviously, no woman is like that. It, it's right. supposed to be funny, you know. No, per- right? She's playing to for comedy. Like yeah. she's a comedy actress. She's an incredible comedic actress. She's a really I mean, we will good not actor. hear anything against her. Okay. Um. Also, my birthday was last week, and I kept saying all day, "Happy birthday to me!" <laughs> to basically no one <laughs> for so- no reason. It's so easy to just fall Ugh. into kind of her voice pattern for certain lines. It's so satisfying. So uh, Porno Ann tells the detective, like, I appreciate all that hard work you're putting in. And then they proceed to have phone sex while the detective is getting blowjob from just some guy. Just some guy. And then the scene ends with simultaneous Porno Ann, um, who again is being played by Archibald, and the detective having perfectly simultaneous self-facials from a standing position. Oh. And I was like, now that people would see a porno to see that. Because simultaneous self, they're standing. They're standing and they're jerking. Well, one of them's jerking off, the other one's getting blown up, coming up into their own faces. I mean, the standing is what makes that so shocking. And at the exact same time. Again, Louis, I mean, Anne is actually a pretty good director if you let her follow her views. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we cut to Louise, who's editing it, and she's loving it. And she's like, and you're every day, you're crazier than X. So it's kind of like the lesson here is if you want to impress your lesbian ex, make the best gay porno the world has ever known yes. based on your former leading man's still unsolved murder because yes. she's going to love it. And, That's a rom-com. <laughs> and we see Louise, like, watching it. And at the end of the film she's cutting, uh, we see... Uh, Anne step in to call cut and she's so happy and Louise sees Anne smiling and like clearly she's there's still feelings there of course it's just that Anne's a, a mess you know what I mean unfortunately as Louise looks she then gets to the uh, specific cells where Anne has scratched in a drunken rage and there are pictures of uh, Teary okay. as a cop and he's getting head in, in this scene and she's scratched into it you have killed me so that Louise would see it yes okay um, Louise, as an editor, and also someone who doesn't know she's in a horror movie, is shocked by this. Yes, of course. It's like, girl, two people have already been brutally murdered. Like, there's going to be yeah. a lot of crazy things afoot, you know? Yeah, you got to be prepared now. Unfortunately, the AD comes through the door and tells Louise they found Thierry and he has been murdered. Um, that night, Anne, Archibald, and then two guys, the cameraman Francois, and then another guy from the crew, um, Raba, they all go out to a bar and they try to hypothesize, like, well, so what the fuck happened, you know? And Archibald is just saying that has nothing to do with the porno company. Both Thierry and Carl had debts. They were, you know, out here living life. They had yeah. enemies. Like, there's really, unfortunately, it seems like there's someone who's preying on gay men, but it doesn't mean it's just, it's about the Specific the to the fi- yeah, 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 yeah. And then Anne says, and she's got a big spouse, she's like, what if instead of anal fury, we call it homicidal? Get it, like, homicidal? And Francois, who did bring his camera to the, the bar, so I guess you know he's the cameraman. Yeah. Francois goes, um, do you not care at all? Like, these are two people two we fucking know, people dude. You like, know what are you doing? Are dead. 
But they're intergrouped with this woman who's like looks at Francois Cameron and is like, "Are you in film? I'd love to be an actress. Too bad I look like such a slut." And it was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> this couldn't have been more fortuitous." You're exactly what we need. <laughs> but Archibald's not having it. Archibald's like, "Don't bother, honey." Every, any woman that's going to be in our movies is going to have a dick, so we're not interested. Yeah. But Raba, who just wants to, like, get laid, says, actually, I think we could probably work something out. And he and the woman start making out. And Anne starts laughing at Francois because I guess he's in a relationship with, with uh, Raba. And it's like, oh, all your boy toys into being straight. And he's like, we can both sleep with whoever we want. It's not a big deal. But, of course, he's furious. That he's just making out in front of him. Just then, a group of trans women enter, and Archibald recognizes one of them as a former star of their movies. And her, she's okay. now she joins them, and she's going by. Um, I'm going to say Miss. It's M I S I A. So I'm going to say Messia. I don't know how a French yeah. person would pronounce it. This is what I have. And um, and she's sort of saying like, "Oh yes, I." She's basically doing sex work with uh, her friends. And it's sort of like, here's sort of our, our niche that we've sort of caught on to. Petu, she's sort of like the social worker type. You know what I mean? She wants to calm clients down, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she's great if you have an orgy. She's super friendly. Sure. Farida's like the Arabian princess. Like, she promises you 101 nights, but you're going to be coming in 30 seconds. So don't worry. You're, you know, you'll get your money's worth. And then we have Dominique, who's like this, like, icy, blonde, sort of dominatrix bitch. It's like, she's a head bitch in charge. She's high class, but don't piss her off. And I was like, okay. I would like to see the Charlie's Angels spinoff of these ladies. Yes. And Anne says, okay, so if that's their specialty, what is your specialty, Messia? And Messia says, I'm in search of mysteries. Ver- this is what I think France is. This is exactly this what I think is France is. This is what I think France is. Me? I'm in search of mysteries. Okay. Okay. And so Anne's like, okay, great. So you all have a thing. And she approaches the other women and says, do you want to be in pictures? $200 a scene. And they're like, bitch, I can make that in an hour. Like, you better Ooh. be giving me more money. $200 a scene? And we know that she'd offered um, a non's $500 a scene. So they're right. like, you better be offering us more money or we are not fucking doing this. Yes. But apparently she did because then we are cutting to sort of like, uh, we're back on set and it's like this blue haze. It's all these like white curtains billowing with a blue light. And we see a man going down on Masia. And then we see the person, we're the POV of like the killer, right? Right. And we see the killer's wearing a white sequin glove pulling her lover's hair, forcing him to stand up. And I was like, bitch, if we have to deal with Michael Jackson showing up on set. No. Because that is what is, like, when you see a white bedazzled glove, like, that's the only thing that comes to mind. It does predate the glove in uh, the film timeline. So but maybe yes. Michael Jackson saw this film and was inspired. That yes, seems more plausible. Yes. Okay, it, Actually, it, very much. <laughs> um, and then the person, like, goes through the gauzy curtains, and we see um, Valentine. He's making out with his own reflection, and, and the glove kind of grabs his face and pushes him away. And then finally the hand opens the curtain. We see Dominique and she's flogging a man who's down on all fours. And the hand kind of just lets Dominique do her thing. <laughs> the hand's okay. not going to get involved, get in the middle of that. Yeah, no, the hand has, you know, boundaries. And Unfortunately, we reverse now on the gloved man and we see, of course, it's the porno version of the masked killer. Now, nobody has seen oh. the masked killer. So it's like, how would yeah. Anne know this? How would she intuit it? And I think we're supposed mm. to think from the dreams that like, she is like interpreting things that she doesn't necessarily know that she knows. Okay. Which is another part of Giallo movies. It's like sometimes they're playing at supernatural stuff, but then it's revealed not to be. Sometimes it's unresolved. Okay. But we have the mass killer, and we see him raise his knife, and he's gunned down by the detective and porno Anne. And porno Anne reaches down and takes off the killer's mask to reveal the actual Anne. 
And Porno Ann goes, oh, it's the Far West box office girl. They show all my films there. And Dominique says, she came here all the time. She saw so many gay flicks, she thought she was a fag. And I'm like, all right, now things are getting interesting. This is definitely interesting. And Dominique says, she was a mother during the day, a murderess at night, a sickness on the rise. And Anne calls cut, and they all applaud. It's a wrap, Allison. I mean, that's a movie. Now, oh, that's a movie. Michael well, Jackson movie. gave it five, five stars. Five gloves. He gave it five <laughs> hee-hees. Um, Archibald tells everyone, okay, Sunday, we're going to do a picnic rap party. And I'm like, this sounds really fun. I know someone's going to get murdered at it, but like yeah. a picnic for a rap party. I don't know. I just, I was like, that's really sweet. I like that. And Anne goes I mean, to, I don't like what will definitely happen, but I like a picnic. And Anne goes to Francois. I was like, was I good? I didn't look too wilted, did I? And he goes, no, Louise will love it. It's like, oh, girl, don't okay. tell her we're that, still, you know? No, no, don't feed that. Later, we see Anne get fucking plastered at like uh, like a more traditional li- like bar, like you know, like wooden bar with a little stage and a bunch of little uh, tables. Not the dance mm-hmm. bar we were at before. And a woman asks her to dance, and Anne says, "Forget it, honey, I'm taken." But of course, the bartender knows that she's not because she's clearly in here every other fucking night and pours right. Anne another drink. Mm. On stage, we see sort of a comedic, sexy vignette. Of an older woman in a see-through leotard with her titties out, and then a woman in a bear costume, Mm -hmm. and performs what I would say is the most lesbian French drag number one can imagine. Mm -hmm. And the audience is like, oh, hooray, yes, this is normal for us, this is what drag is here. And the bear's, like, clawing at the woman, and it's sort of like a bear from the waist up, and then, like, sexy fishnet lady legs from the waist down. Very, very hot. And very French. And the bear says, very French. if you turn me on, I'll devour you with my claws. And it's all this thing where it's, like, conflating, like, sexuality with, like, being devoured. And it's, like, pawing at this woman. And finally, like, pretends to claw the woman. And fake blood starts spraying all over the other woman's body. And she says, the more I kill you, the more I love you. And that's the thing in France. They play this shit on PBS over there. Okay, for oh, us, yeah. this is a little scandalous Children's programming. Yeah, exactly. Um, on Sunday, the cast and crew all go to the picnic, and uh, Nans kind of falls asleep on the blanket, and Valentina and Francois are like, he looks exactly like that old leading man, um, Foad, but he swears they're not related. But the fact they're bringing it up for a second time, like, okay, well, that's going to come up later, you know? Well, it's not nothing. And the trans gals show up with a bunch of, like, champagne bottles hidden under their clothes. And Frida pretends to go into labor and starts screaming and gives gives birth to a bottle of booze. And then everyone applauds. so much fun. (laughs) And Messia goes to sit with Anne and tells her, like, you know, if I wasn't a whore, I would be a palm reader. And Anne's like, I don't know if I believe in that. You know, I don't know. Why can't you do both? Exactly. And uh, Messia takes Anne's palm and tells her, you know, um, and also, Heidi, this is exactly how real palm readers work, because she goes, you know, um, I could tell that you're not moving on from the past, okay? It seems like you're stuck in the past. It's like, yeah, bitch, you knew, you were in some of her films. Clearly, yeah. she's stuck in it. And it's like, you have to forget your old fears and follow the past of your dreams. Unfortunately, Allison, then Louise shows up. And even at that moment, a fan being like, yeah, maybe I should move on. Oh, my God, Louise is here. Like, there's, she has no, you need to be Chaos. like, yeah. yeah. And so, and Anne's sort of sobbing, like, a little bit as she's getting her palm read because she just, it's like, I, you know, this, all this is true. Like, she can't yeah. move on. And Louise sees it. It's like, I know she's crying about me because, like, of how fucked up she is. We broke up. Allison, a blackbird lands on Louise's shoulder. And a storm rolls in. And Louise grabs Anne, and everyone's trying to, like, rescue the picnic. And it sort of scatters into the trees. 
And finally, after all the gay fucking and sucking, we get one lesbian kiss because Louise and Anne are under a tree and Louise kisses Anne. And I'm like, Louise, what are you doing? Mm, this is not good. Not a good idea. She seems so in control and on top of the situation for yeah. most of this movie so far. But, you know, he, she tells Anne, I shouldn't have done that, but I love you. I will always love you. So, of course, Anne's like, all right, this is my end. And Anne tries to kiss her again. But Louise resists. And it's like, we shouldn't stand under a tree in the store. We might catch on fire. It's like, okay. And eventually she just leaves. She's like, I have a train to catch. I have to go. And Anne says, I'll drive you. It's raining. She's like, no, I have to leave. So, of course. <sighs> so French. I know. Like, French lesbians, I can only imagine. <sighs> Unfortunately, during this, the, there's like a, it's like a rain shower that stops. And Messia has gotten separated from the group. Because everyone's kind of scattered under the trees. And mm-hmm. is calling for everyone. But is alone in a clearing. And, of course, doesn't see that a figure is approaching from behind her. And Elsa, you're not going to believe it. It's the goddamn killer. Okay. Of course. And as the rain starts to fall, the killer stabs Messia in the back and then kisses her as she dies before putting her body on the ground. And then we see the killer just fucking running through the forest as Anne drives home. She goes to that the dance bar we saw before, which is called The Future. So, again, we're supposed to be like, go to the future, okay. move into the yeah. future. Out of, of the course, Anne, Anne is fucking blackout drunk. She shows up just as Louise is leaving. It's torrentially raining. And Anne starts screaming at her. It's like, I've loved you this hard for 10 years. It is driving me insane. You have to love me. You have to love me. And she grabs Louise. Louise tries to push her away. Anne grabs Louise by the throat and chokes her against the wall. And. Yeah. Louise is trying to fight her off. Anne grabs her breasts and then between her legs and screams, this is mine. And she only stops when a blackbird sort of flies by and distracts her and Louise is able to run away. So she has fully sexually assaulted this yes. woman that she loves, right? Yes. Um, not that like it looks like they were going to get together, but now it's like, oh, you have crossed this the line is, that is, yeah. Um, is, you don't come back from this. Exactly. So, uh, uh, inside the bar hours later, Anne is passed out in a booth and one of the performers from the Bear Drag Show comes and shows her the morning's paper. It's a report on Messiah's murder. So that's the third person who has worked for their company who has been mm-hmm. murdered by a killer, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she goes to the station. She starts screaming. And like, okay, this is obvious. Someone is targeting my fucking cast and my former cast members. This is on you. You have to fucking solve it. Mm-hmm. And Morsini, it's obviously the reason they're not solving is because of homophobia and transphobia. And he says, of course. you know, uh, we're working really hard. So in the meantime, why don't you go tell your little friends to stay home and stay inside? Because it's just safer that way. So basically, fuck you. We don't, we're not trying that yeah. hard, bitch. Get out yeah. of my fucking station, you know? Yeah, maybe don't go outside anymore. And it's like, ugh. I know. So Anne goes out to smoke and she's upset. And the younger cop sneaks out and says, you know, um, I just want to let you know. And I think the implication is that he is gay and so he's more sympathetic. And he's like, on the first two bodies, they found bird feathers. And uh, she's like, well, th- clearly that's like, th- they should be using it to solve it. He's like, well, the case isn't a priority. And he, just say, he didn't say why, but like, y'all are queers, that's why. Yeah, yeah. But he says, I could give you one of them. And he gives her one of the feathers. He's like, I can't do anything, but if you could fi- some- find someone to identify it, maybe it'll be help solve it, you know? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, she's at Archibald's. Archibald's like, no one wants to work with us. We are hemorrhaging money because uh, everyone keeps fucking publicly getting murdered, right? So this is bad for business, right. baby. Yeah. And she tells Archibald, get the phone book and look up birds. And he says, this is the phone book. It's on an encyclopedia. And she said, sorry, bird shops. We need someone to identify this feather. And luckily, okay. they're able to call somebody. 
And the this is, again, if you're calling someone in France, this is how you have to meet them. She goes to the middle of the woods in front of, like, a weird old church or obelisk of some sort. Oh, of course. And meet me meets, at the obelisk. Meet me at the obelisk in the middle of the goddamn uh, woods. I own a- What if we kissed <laughs> under the obelisk in the woods? <laughs> I mean, pure romance. Unfortunately, we're just here to identify bird feathers. Okay. And she meets a woman. I'm not even going to- Her name is Louise Cellerier. Okay, that wasn't so bad. Okay, yeah, that's probably there. all wrong. And she's a bird expert, of course. Of she course. probably lives in the woods. And she has brought her handsome uh, son, Pierre. And they take a look. And he's like a bird expert, right? And they, she hands him, it's like, uh, here's a feather. It's like, thank God. And this is like every episode of SVU or like yeah. Bones, where luckily it's the exact most unusual bird feather that they yeah. could only come from one place. Yeah, always. So, so Pierre looks at the bird, he's like, oh, it's a um, chaladre shal, feather or a white-eyed grackle. They're all blind birds. <laughs> A blind bird? Blind bird. So they Allison. haven't seen anything that's actually happened. Exactly. I said it's like, so they don't know all the people are getting fucking and sucking and getting murdered? They bring think a they're book. just like... <laughs> bring a little book for your little bird book, for your little bird feet. Oh, yeah, how do you fly? I don't know. Yeah. I, bats are blind and they fly around. Well, they have echolocation. What do birds have? Them. Don't they have magnets and they can use the... Um, they can follow oh, the magnetic... They yeah, got magnetic. Yeah. Okay, so he tells him, <laughs> oh, we solved. The last sighting of these grackles uh, was in the 18th century in the Chaladre Forest. And they tell her, it's like, there's a there's a story that used to take dying people there and, and leave them there overnight. Which, well, okay. Okay. Said, the birds, I guess that's a place. <laughs> the birds would absor- absorb their sickness. And so the person would survive and they would fly to the sun but Allison, they flew too close, and that's where they all went blind. And I wrote, this is what I think France is. Just that kind of yeah, stuff. Just that shit happening all the time. Then the the my, the my moment in this movie that made me, that was most pleasing to me. Pierre takes his left hand out of his jacket pocket. Allison, this motherfucker has a bird's hand. What does that mean? A it bird's- is a cross it's a human hand, but it is a bird's claw at the same time. It has, like, no. it's ridged. It has lo- talons, like nails. But it's still, like, the size of a human hand and exactly. has five fingers. And he reaches out. And he doesn't even say anything. He just touches Anne on the face, and she looks like, oh, okay. Like, she, even she's like, all right, this is a little too far what? here, dude. Like, in a way that it's like, he did that? Or, like, that happened to him? So his mother and so says, "Don't be afraid." Pierre has a oh, no, rare. I'm afraid. Don't be. Pierre has a rare disorder. It starts with the hands, and then he begins to mutate. And okay. if you think so, that we that's, left reality. I would say, if you think this is going to come back again, it has anything to do with the plot. It does not. We are moving on. We now see <laughs> like we see Anne's dream. So we know she's dreaming again, and it looks like the killer, the curly mop killer, is kissing this young. First, I was like, is that Anne? But I think it's it's just a young blonde man. And okay. they're kissing and sort of uh, passionately in a barn. Anne wakes up as they announce the next train stop. Luckily, it's a uh, Chaladre forest. She gets off. It's the middle of the goddamn night. She just has a suitcase and her trunch, trench. And she just is dark. And in her bag, she finds a letter from Louise that she didn't know was there. And in the letter, Louise says, if you're reading this, Archibald must have followed my instructions and put my letter here. I loved you for 10 years, but last oh, night wow. you destroyed that when you 
sexually assaulted me. It's like I would. I was like, I want to see you dead. I want to hurt you. You the way I you hurt me. But I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to cry and I'm going to move on. We have to. We have to be untied. We cannot do this. So she says, I can't work with you anymore. I'm going to finish this movie. After I finish uh, editing Homicidal, I'm going to leave. Do not contact me. Do not seek me out. And it's like, what else is she supposed to do? Like, it's like, I mean, that's best case scenario. She says, don't fucking talk to me ever again. After what she doesn't. Exactly. Um, you know, Anne's not going to abide by that because she's uh, uh, deranged. But yeah. luckily, a man shows up and he's like, hi, I'm Mr. Vidier. Um, Archibald reserved you a, a room in my inn and I thought I'd come collect you because it's the middle of the goddamn night. Okay. And he takes her home, introduces her to his daughter, Kathy, who's clearly a dyke. And I was like, I hope Kathy gets to live a life. But <sighs> she seems like she stays at home. She's 40 years old. She's like, I can't leave because I have to take care of my dad. Yeah. But I could show you where the forest is. So in the morning, they walk to the forest, and Kathy's like, "Oh, one time I went to the Paris as a child. It was incredible, but I- I've never, I've never left again." And and Anne's drinking, and she offers it to Kathy. And says, "In the morning? Well, okay." So they're just getting drunk at nine France. in the morning. And Kathy says, "It's right over there." And Anne says, "Could you stay behind? Because I'm just going to walk in." I'm not exactly sure at this point what she thinks is going to happen, but here yeah. we are. And Kathy says, "Are you sure it's like really vast? Like I wouldn't want to get it lost." But Anne says, "No." Luckily, Anne immediately stops to get drunk under a tree, like you do. As you do. And finds a cemetery nearby. And there's a woman in a gown praying at a grave. Great. And then leaves. And as Anne approaches the grave, it says, Guy... Okay. His name is... (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) You started that at that stopping immediately. Well, I realize... Guy... Okay. (laughs) It's Guy Favre, 1948 to 1964, and I believe that means he is Brett Favre's ancestor. Like, I believe this is Brett Favre's, oh, sure. like, great uncle, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we see, like, in her dream, we see Guy, and then what appears, is it is it Nans? Is it the killer? Again, like, they're, they're, they've clearly hired people who have multiple with curly brown hair, and yes. be like, who is it? You know? And Anne comes to... And she's, it, it, she, it's nightfall. She's still at this grave. And the woman she saw earlier, who is dra- dressed like Blanche Devereaux going out to, like, get fucked. Like, you know what I mean? Like, where it's, like, kind okay, of like an sure. 80s, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. early, I guess late 70s, like, sort of a nightgown with sequins yeah. on it. And she's sure. like, oh, you must have known my son, Guy. You must be his friend. Um, where is he? You look like you're from the city because here we dress like this. It's like, does that make any sense? I don't know. Nope. It's like, you must be from the city. Does does guy live in Paris? Why else would you come out here unless you knew my son? And Anne says, I'm sorry, I'm drunk and I don't know. And runs back and is able to make it back to Kathy's car. And Kathy drives her back and says, oh yeah, that was Guy Favre's mom. She went insane. She tells Anne, and this is a story, is that Guy Favre was a young gay man in their in their town. And he was sort of having a love affair with his friend, um, Hysham. And they died tragically in a fire 15 years ago after a barn mysteriously mm. caught fire. Immediately mm. after that, um, Guy Farb's mom went crazy and D- Guy Farb's dad died by suicide. And the strange thing is, Allison, Guy's body was never found and his mother never really believed that he died. Allison, who will survive this film? Who will survive? Um, I think Louise will live. Because I think she hit the bricks. Mm-hmm. I think Anne is unfortunately going to die. And um, how about Archibald? Who's Archibald again? He's the guy who's been playing porno Anne. He's like her right hand man yes. assistant. I think he will also 
No, I think it's him, and he's trying to, like, single white female Ooh, her. okay, great. Um, and then who else is left? We got Nons, the guy Nons. that she uh, hired from the quarry. I think he's going to die after we think he's the killer. Okay, and great. get killed by the killer. Okay, great. And then everyone else, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. It's like, all right, you know. So Kathy drops Anne off, and it was like, could I have one more sip of liquor? Anyways, must be nice. Live in the big city with one other gay person. Well, I have to <laughs> take care of my dad. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Meanwhile, back in Paris, we see Louise is up late editing, trying to get the movie done, and the phone rings. And she's like, ugh. She refuses to answer because it's probably Anne. It is Anne. And we see Anne is at the inn, basically, like, struggling. Louise is not picking up, and she he, she asks Mr. Veneer for a bottle of whiskey. And he's like, I'll give you a bottle of whiskey if you promise not to lure Kathy away with your lesbian ways to the city because she wants to leave and let me die here, but I need her to stay. And, yeah. and, and to her credit, it's like, Bitch, I don't want to know anything about this. I have so much going on. I, there's thing yeah. I can tell you. When Anne gets back to her room, Kathy has written her a card and left her dried flowers and two newspaper clippings. And it's also watching her from another window. And in the, the in the letter, it's like, I just want to say thanks so much. It was really nice meeting just like one other lesbian and yeah. really made me think about my life. And uh, here are these newspaper clippings about Guy Farm's mysterious disappearance after the barn fire. Hope it's helpful. <laughs> Luckily, Allison, it gives Anne an idea for a film. Of course it does. And she calls Archibald and says, I'm going to be back at set. Let's set up some auditions. The idea is called Hex Rated. And we see a scene of I mean, it. A great title. Absolutely. And it looks like Archibald is being whipped by two sort of like devilish priests in hell, like satanic priests. Oh, wow. <laughs> Everyone's having a great time. And we see Louise up in the edit bay. And she's watching, she's editing the final scenes of um, Homicidal. Okay. And with all the curtains. And she sees a figure in the background. And she realizes that must be the killer. The killer must have been stalking the set. In the film. In the film. Okay. So she's like, Scary. oh shit. Suddenly the lights go out, Allison. And we realize that it's just because they turn off the lights for hex rated, but then the lights are off in the rest of the building. So Louise mm -hmm. comes down. Finds a fuse box, but the rats have eaten the wires. And Hex Rated throws the lights back on, and Jose, one of the porn actors, has had his throat slashed. The killer is in the room. Oh, my God. And whirls around, and the mass killer is there, and he lunges for her, and as he does, Louise steps in front of the knife to save Anne's life, and he plunges his knife dildo into Louise's chest instead of Anne's. And then he scampers away. Oh. And I didn't it, want that to happen. I know. Louise, she did her best. She Just, absolutely yeah. did her best. She was. She drew boundaries. An she incredible was good at her job. Yeah. And Ann Sobson says, why did you come here? I would have changed. I would have, we could have had more time. I, just stay alive. Stay with me. I'm going to cry. It's like, stay with me. I I'll mean, protect you for the rest of my life. Yeah. Girl, you know Louise is dead. Sometime later, Anne, whose entire life has fallen apart, obviously, goes to see a screening of Homicidal. And it's the kind of thing where they're playing at um, porno theaters. So guys are there to, like, hook up and jerk off. And she's there to, like, get drunk and watch this and, like, sob, you know. And she sees, she weeps yeah. when she sees Louise's name as, like, the editor. Mm -hmm. And Nans is there as well because he wants, he's seeing the film because he's a star of it. And after the screening, we see Anne, like, crush her cigarette. She just keeps watching films because they're also playing her old stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a man approaches her and is like, oh, are you Anne Perez? You're a genius. I love all your fucking films. And she says, it was all Louise. 
She was a real genius. And the man says, Louise? And he's like, I can't talk to you. I, I can't give you a whole backstory. No. Please. No. No. So then there are guys like jerking off and like watching each other jerk off. But Anne is just in the front drinking herself. And occasionally the guys look at her like, yikes. Okay. Like we're here with a purpose. Like this is, this yeah. is sad, you know? And a guy sits next to Nans. is like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm sitting next to the famous um, Fawad. And Nans like, no, you wouldn't be the first to confuse us, but I'm not him. The guy leaves and we see behind him, clearly our killer, Allison, it is someone who is bundled up to the eyes and has a trucker Ugh. head on, and it's his skin looks like he's been, I don't know, burned in a barn fire. Okay. So obviously it's Guy Favre, okay? Anne watches the movie, but at the end of Homicidal, when they sort of take off the mask, it's Louise. So she sort of jerks around. Like she's like, oh my God. And she looks, and uh, everyone else in the theater is the corpse of all the murder victims. And she screams. Of course, she's having a dream. Okay. And she sees Nons, but he doesn't reply. And Nons goes upstairs where there's sort of like a sex room. And you pay $3, and it's like a sexy dark room. And everyone gets a red flashlight. And you just shine it on each other to find mm-hmm. people to fuck. I was like, okay, fun. Mixing it up. All right. Unfortunately, something. Allison, a, another person follows him in and pays $3. It's the killer. Downstairs, Anne is watching one of her earlier films, Spunk in the Land Alone. And we see that it follows the story of Guy and Hashem. And I don't know if we're supposed to think that she intuited this story and that's why she was Before drawn she into knew this. the real one? That's the only way I could sort of piece it together. Alternately, okay. the movie itself is different, but in her sort of fugue state, she's, she's seeing, seeing it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, Either one kind of works for me. Unfortunately, we see the plot and the plot is that Guy's father found him with Hashem and they're like in love. Like they're like, you know, yeah. 18 or whatever. They're in love. They are having sex, but like it is clearly like a beautiful love affair. He attacks them, kills Hashem, and castrates his son. <gasps> but in the porno version, the dad drops the knife and instead of castrating his son, kisses his son. And then we see, we see the barn on fire. And in, in the porno version, the dad also is nude. And it's just, they're all holding hands and running around the flames and nobody's dead. So, of course, I mean, I know, like that ending much I know. more. So we see that Carl is the star. Terry is the farmhand. The Boy Scout is... Um, Messiah before she transitioned, and the dad is Jose. So everyone who has been killed was in this initial film, which depicted okay. the this guy thing story. That we found out later, yeah. And it was Fouad's first um, movie, and Anne is sobbing. So I guess at this point, we already think this really is a movie that she made, and she didn't yeah. know that she was telling the story, and yeah. and she doesn't understand what's going on. Nan's upstairs smoking and trying to hook up in the red room, and we hear someone sobbing. And coming towards him, and the guy's like, oh, sorry, I think you, like, mistake me for someone else. The killer's trying to kill Nans because he looks so much like Fouad. Mm. Because the killer is Guy. So the guy mm. has seen this movie and is like, they made a movie out of, like, again, my torture and my lover's murder. I'm going to kill everyone who thought you could use my real-life story for entertainment. Yes. Luckily, okay. Anne realizes kind of what's going on, and she runs up the stairs and busts it and says, he's the killer, the killer's right there. So Guy, who we now know is the killer, grabs a man and takes the man hostage and drags him down in the screening theater, which, by the way, is full of furious gay men who know all the, like, who know that people have been being murdered. And she right. said, that's the killer, that's who the person who's been terrorizing, not just the our company, but the entire gay community of Paris. Mm-hmm. And luckily the guy who, the hostage able, is able to escape Guy's clutches, but the rest of the crowd descend on Guy, and he says, you get up on killing fags, huh? And then they beat up Guy, basically to a <gasps> bloody pulp. Oof. And Guy, he has a knife, of course, he drops yeah. it, and it's picked up by Nons, 
and he stabs guy as retribution non for stands, okay if stabs guy. non stabs guy to death for basically killing all these queer people yes and we get this epilogue flash as they all stand over his body and of course a black a grackle lands on guy's chest <sighs> And we get this, and I think we're supposed to be like, you know, like he did do all this horrible stuff, but we, now yes. we're sympathetic and we sort of also see his, yeah, yeah, Guy and Hashem's romance. It's like theirs was a, a sacred love, a world. Oh, theirs was a secret love, a world of infinite sweetness. And we see his father catching them, and it's horrible. Mm -hmm. And then he set the dad set the fire to hide his crimes, and it's like, bitch, that wasn't gonna work. So that's why the dad dies by suicide. Guy survived, Allison, completely burned, but the goddamn birds like we heard from the legend, took the sickness out of him. He doesn't look great, but he survived, right? Oh. And because of the birds, he survived and let him live. Unfortunately, Allison, he did forget his past, and he had to relearn language from the birds, which I guess is why he was screaming like a bird, is that he didn't have human language. So, but yeah, he still do enough to, like, find a dildo and install a knife in it. He yeah. was able to get to the city. He was able to find the portal theater. Like He, he purchased those things, allegedly. I mean, like. Yeah. And we hear this story, and it's like, and it's like he Guy went to the city, and he entered a theater. And we see Guy and Shem sort of embrace their last embrace. And then we see this last scene, and I think this is sort of, um, I don't want to immediately assume everything is about AIDS, but I think this probably is at this point. We see this scene where it's a white space with a fountain, and it's sort of like all, all these different men are, are sort of different, like threes and twos, like having sex. And Archibald has satyr legs, and it's sort of like this like Greek scene. Uh -huh. And it's the only scene where it's actually shot like it's like beautiful and hot. And I think mm -hmm. because the rest of it, it's sort of like we're it's like behind the scenes, like we're kind of joking while we're doing right. this. Yeah. But this is like it's very beautiful, and like all the men's bodies are shot very beautifully. And, you know, the Mouth of Gold is there. All of our friends, it's kind of like the end of um, uh, Wizard of Oz, sort of. Like, all yeah, our friends yeah, are here. Yeah, 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 And Anne turns and sees Louise, and they kiss. And I think it's sort of like, mm -hmm. this exists, um, this is yeah. what exists in Anne's mind, and she, able, she puts it into a film, because that's all she has control over. She doesn't yeah. have control of her life. The per, her lover life, she assaulted and was murdered in front of her. So now it's like the film is all we sort of have in order to you know, like, have control, and then Louise is sort of led away, I, I presume to heaven in this scenario. I guess. And all the lights go on, and all the gay porn actors look around, and I think that we're supposed to think this is the arrival of AIDS, but Archibald sort of has tears in his eyes, and he smiles at Anne, and she smiles back, tears in her eyes. And there is this moment of, like, we're still here. I'm yeah. sorry, I'm gonna cry. Oh, you think they was crying at other months? This month is going to be insane. <laughs> this is going to be a tough month. Um, but yeah, so that is the end. Um, Allison, where are some fatal mistakes? You mean you think that anyone may have made a knife and the a knife and heart? Fatal mistakes. I mean, I do think that like making the movies tied to the real murder going on, yeah. even though that's not exactly what led to what was happening. Like, I do think that was a bad thing to do. <laughs> like, yeah, it's You have unsolved murders grotesque. of people you know, and you're exploiting it for the art you make, even if it's making something, like, good. It yes. ultimately feels like that's not something you should do. Um, and, and is, of course, you know, why the murder, even though that wasn't really what was happening because mm. she wasn't there and knowing that story at the time. Like, it is, like, it's, like, just... 
work from up here. Start up up in your head. Work. Start something new. Use fantasy. Like maybe let's not use um, trauma and horror to um, get off. You know, depict uh, you know fantasy. Yes, I completely agree. And I think that it, it, but it does feel like this is something that could happen where it's like true crime but porn. Like yeah. you have the staircase, but it is a porno. That doesn't seem so impossible. No, not at all. And you know that they're. Those are already out there. Yeah. Remember when, like, Somewhere. I feel like porn parodies were kind of big. I guess when people were buying DVDs, like, yeah, 15, 20 that, years like, ago. Yeah, late 90s, early 2000s feels like porn parody was at its height. And then the references to porn parody in comedy yes. were, like, nonstop. Then kind of, it was just a snake eating itself. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, I guess that would be the big one for me. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense because Anne, again, like, she just had no grasp. Like, the the movies were her only method of control because she had no control yeah. of her life whatsoever and, like, everything she tried slipped through her fingers. I guess for me, um, the other fatal mistake is uh, homophobia. Oh, don't, well, um Yeah, don't, don't attack do your son and his lover. Nope. He will become a killer, yep. and because you're already dead, uh, he will take it out on other other queer yeah. people. So yeah, yeah, be, uh, an important message for us all to Always. remember. Um, so Always. where would you rate Knife and Heart on the spooky scale, Allison? A spooky scale. I think I found this like very fun and exciting and interesting. I think like even though there is a lot like. It's not a super high body count mm-hmm. movie. Like, it is, but it's not in a way. I don't know. Like, it, Yeah. Like, it's the difference between, like, a murder mystery and a horror movie. Yes, totally. Like, um, yeah. It did have flashes of, like, um, Scream 2 for some reason. Or, like, the, or the Screams 2 and 3 where it's, like, it's a movie about we're a murder. Meta. about yes. a, like, it's like, it's like, it's the film within the film that, like, we're kind of also paying attention to. So I yes. feel like that is very fun. Um, yeah. I think this is a five. Okay, good. Um, I'm going to give this a three. I will say I found all the bird stuff very unnerving. We've very, talked about this. Um, very. Grotesque. Um, but other than that, like, yeah, I think that the, the yeah. G, as much as I love giallos or love sort of like a more mystery horror, the the mystery element typically is less scary to me because you're not in it. Like you're not like experiencing it with the protagonist. Yeah. You have these lo- these beats where you know they're safe. Like they're at a bar, yes. it's fine. Right. Um. So you're not getting the like, constant sort of frenetic um terror, which is what I look for in a film. Um. Yeah. yeah so I'm gonna I'm gonna say three. I enjoyed this. I didn't yeah. know what it was. I hadn't seen it before. So I I think it was great. Um, a fun homage. I would say it's a B movie, but like, baby, who doesn't love a B movie? That's you great. Know? We um, love a B movie. Yeah. Well, here we are. Well, here we are. Um, yeah. Thank you for joining us. Um, we, of course, uh, thankful to you all all months. But you know, yes. I just say personally very thankful for you during Pride Month. I don't know, man. I it, you know you know how things are, and we appreciate you um, listening and yes. hearing what we have to say. And you know that we know that you're with us. Yes. In this. And, um, yeah, uh, go to votesaveamerica.com slash yeah. uh, fuckbands um, to donate your money. Get involved. Um, they're also, like, regional. If you're someone who wants to get involved more broadly, you could look up your region and see, like, mm-hmm. you know, sort of different organizations if that's something you're interested in. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to cry every episode. Yep. So just get ready. And, that kind of month. Yeah. Um, but until then, please keep, keep it spooky. spooky.
The birds are blind, Allison. Ah! Don't forget to follow us at Ruin Podcast and Crooked Media for show updates. And if you're as opinionated as we are, consider dropping us a review. Ruined is a radio point and Crooked Media production. We're your writers and hosts, Hallie Kiefer and Allison Leiby. The show is executive produced by Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder, and recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. From Crooked Media, our executive producer is Kendra James, with production and promotional support from Ari Schwartz, Kyle Sieglin, Julia Beach, Caroline Dunphy, and Ewa Okalati. 